Hey everyone, it's Pastor Brandon here, and I'm so excited to do the intro for this new series I'm going to be doing. It's going to be 14 weeks, and each week we're going to discuss one of the 14 declarations of faith of the Church of God denomination. Because we here at North Point, we're a part of the Church of God denomination, and it's a great thing, and we have great theology and great beliefs that we really subscribe to, and as a body, I think it's important to know what we're a part of. So I just want to break down these 14 declarations of faith, these pillars of beliefs we as a denomination have, theology that we believe, and so these next 14 weeks, I'm really excited to break them down with you, and this is Declaration 3. Let's dive right into it. Hey guys, it's Pastor Brandon from North Point Church. I'm so excited to dive right into week three with you guys. These past two weeks have been so fun. Uh, it's so amazing to be able to just break down our theological beliefs, what we stand for, what what we believe about our God, and just cement all those beliefs for ourselves. You know, I find myself like I feel like half of my week is just reteaching things to myself every week and breaking things down. And it's been so awesome to be able to do that with you. And I pray that this has been great for you. And I pray that this is something you need. And we're going to do a little review of last week right before we jump into week three. Remember, last week was all about the Trinity. So our declaration two was we believe in one God eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, what does that mean? It means we believe in the triune nature of our Heavenly Father. Remember, we broke that down. It was all about unity and three coming into one. So try and unity. So three in one. And it means that our God is tri-personal and exists as a three in one God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all individual parts of God with different purposes, but are all equal in deity and all a part of God as a singular God. Like an egg, uh, this is a super silly example, but it has the shell, it has the white, and it has the yolk. But all of those things come together to form one single egg, right? You, you can't have an egg without the yolk, you can't have an egg without the white, and you can't have an egg without the shell. Three things combine to be one thing, and that is what our God is. Our God is three in one. So I think that's enough recap. I don't want to spend too much time on last week. And if you missed last week's, please go back, listen to episode two, all about Declaration 2. And now let's get into Declaration 3, which this is a long one and it's a big theological, uh, it holds a lot of theological importance. I'll say that. So Declaration 3 is we believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father conceived of the Holy Ghost, and born of the Virgin Mary, that Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, that he ascended to heaven and is today at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. Now, that holds a lot right there. That one statement holds a lot. It's that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of Mary, 
which is what we're about to celebrate, right? Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, right now, as of recording, it is a few days before Christmas. So right now, we're celebrating the first part of this statement, which is really, it's a great time to talk about this statement. And then it also goes on about what Jesus' ministry culminated in, and that was the crucifixion, and then being buried and raised from the dead three days later. And that he ascended after being raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven and today is at the right hand of the Father as our intercessor. So that's what that is. But I think this holds three big fields of doctrine or three big doctrinal statements in this. So those three are the nature of Christ. Number two, the character of the redemption which Christ purchased. And number three, the nature of Christ's present ministry. Now, we're going to break down all three of those, so don't worry. I'm not just going to name them without going into them. So let's first talk about the nature of Christ. So what is the nature of Christ? Who is Christ? Think about that for a second. Who is Christ? What is he like? Now, the divine nature of Christ is clearly taught in Scripture. He is called God. So let's read out of Romans 9, verse 5. And it says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So he is described as having divine attributes. He knows all things. He is everywhere in his divine nature. He is eternal. He is unchangeable. He performs divine works. That is works which can be done only by God. These works are creation, forgiveness of sin, judgment, imparting of eternal life to believers. He is worshipped by both men and and angels. Now the human nature of Christ comes from his mother, the Virgin Mary. The birth of our Lord must lie in the realm of the miraculous. I mean, it's about as miraculous as it gets. Now, but at the same time, we must understand that the child that was produced from this miraculous birth was completely human. Though in his personal being, he was joined with the nature of God. So he is fully God and fully human. Now, the human nature of Christ is confirmed many places in the scripture. He was made of a woman and brought under the law. Even after his ascension, he's referred to as the man, Christ Jesus. He had weaknesses normally associated with the human condition. I mean, he went through the whole human condition, which that in and of itself, I feel like I could talk about forever because I love how our God became a person that and went through the full condition that we go through on a daily basis. God knows what we are feeling, not only because he created us, but his son lived as a human. He became weary. Jesus did. He became hungry. He became thirsty. He was mortal and he was subject to death. Now, he must be God in order to enter into the presence of God, having access to the powers of divine nature and be able to unite us to God. It was necessary for him to be man in order that he might experience the feelings of our 
infirmities, the feelings of our inadequacies, the feelings that we feel in order to be tempted in all points just as we are tempted, enter into punishment for our sins and fulfill the righteousness for us as men and offer sacrifices to us as our high priest. Now the union of these two natures in one person is necessary. The Redeemer must be both God and man in order to be the mediator between God and man. Now, secondly, I want to touch on the character of the redemption which Christ purchased. This redemption that Christ accomplished for us uh, it has two main emphases of this point, and they are the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So two main components, the crucifixion and the resurrection. So the crucifixion of Jesus was the end of the progress of his entire earthly life and ministry. It was the culmination from the moment of his conception in the womb of Mary. In her womb, he was the representative of all mankind and would fulfill what we needed in order to come to God. So as the first man, Adam, had represented us in the fall of human nature. So the first man God created was Adam, and Adam caused us to fall and go into sin. And then God created Christ through the Holy Spirit, conceived in Mary, in her womb. Christ represented us in obedience and holiness. So we have Adam in the fall and in sin, and then Jesus in holiness. He fulfilled obedience and holiness in order to restore us to righteousness, which Adam had taken away from us or forfeited. All the events of Jesus's life and ministry led to the cross. These events consisted of the fulfilling of the law. He fulfilled the Old Testament law for us to make that new covenant. Christ was blameless before the law in order that we might have righteousness of the law given to us. We could not keep the law. We couldn't do it all. So Christ stepped in for us. Let's read Romans chapter 5 verses 17 through 19. It says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings con condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. I love these verses. I love the dichotomy between Adam and Jesus. Right? Adam, this one act of eating from the fruit, caused humanity to fall into sin. Caused the fall of humans. And then we have Jesus, also created and born of God. And his one 
divine act of dying on the cross, raising from the dead, taking the keys of life, defeating death, brought salvation for all of us. That sin that Adam drenched us into, Jesus stuck his hand into the muddy waters and pulled us out of and brought salvation for all of us. It's just such a beautiful testimony of the nature of God, that God creates man and then man sins. And then God creates another man, a perfect man, a God man to bring us out of sin. It's just beautiful. Sorry, I get geeked about it because it's so exciting and so amazing. But Christ's personal perfection under the law could not prevail us as long as there was the sentence of death upon us. As in, we had that death sentence given to us from Adam. And Christ needed that perfection and needed to take that death sentence from us. And the crucifixion of Jesus was exactly that. It was necessary and it was Jesus taking that death sentence from us. In the Old Testament law, sacrifice was needed in order to cover up sin. Now that's the key though. Cover up sin. Not to be completely forgiven, but to cover it up for the time being. There were five types of sacrifices though with each of them having their own rules and purposes. And I'm going to break down these five sacrifices. They're super interesting to me. So we have number one, the burnt offering. Now the purpose of the burnt offering was for general atonement of sin and expression of devotion to God. And then number two, we have the grain offering. And the purpose of the grain offering was a voluntary expression of devotion to God recognizing his goodness and his providence. Thirdly, we have the peace offering. The purpose of the peace offering was to consecrate a meal between two or more parties before God and share that meal together in fellowship of peace and a commitment to each other's future prosperity. The the portions unsuitable for eating were given to God. And then the sin offering. This primary purpose of this offering is not to atone for sin, but rather to purify oneself for re-entering into the presence of God. Now, some of the, the sins for which one needed atonement from were not moral sins, but rather matters of ritual impurity, as in impure rituals to God. They, they were doing the rituals wrong. And then fifth, the guilt offering. Now, the purpose of this offering was to make reparations for one's sin. As such, this offering had specific monetary value, and one who owed another on account of a debt due to a sin could repay it in silver rather than sacrificing a lamb. A ram, I'm sorry, not a lamb, a ram. Now, could you imagine the complications of going through all of these? All of these different offerings that... We're so complicated and so so much to remember. That's a lot. But we have the sacrifice of Jesus that wrapped all of these up and took them away and covered everything. So the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was a means of grace by which the relationship between God and humanity began to be restored. But God had an even more beautiful plan. And we know what it is, right? It was Jesus' sacrifice. This sacrificial system, yeah, it was super elaborate, but also it was fully inadequate. It wasn't enough. 
No one could actually absolve their sins until Jesus, until Jesus came and became the ultimate sacrifice and an act of grace on our behalf. Hebrews 10.10, out of the New Living Translation, says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. God had an beautiful plan and it's the old testament working in tandem with the new testament that old covenant this plan being worked out god had this old covenant and this sacrificial system that was great for the time and that it did what it needed to do but then he had a bigger plan and a more beautiful plan that he would send his son god made human to die for us and to erase the need of these sacrifices and these offerings and this elaborate, inadequate, confusing system to be erased and replaced with the one beautiful, blameless sacrifice of Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's so exciting. Now, thirdly, we have the nature of Christ's present ministry. What is Jesus doing now? Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus was lifted above earth and into heaven and placed at the right hand of the Father. This took place at the Mount of Olives and was witnessed by his disciples. It was a miraculous event in which Jesus was bodily lifted out of this realm and into heaven, the ascension. And the significance of the ascension is essential to our doctrine of Christ. The event was the Father's exaltation of the Son to the right hand of power. And this demonstrates the Son's supremacy and victory. It shows Christ's headship over the church. Now let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. They say, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Christ now serves us as prophet, priest, and king. He is ascended into heaven to serve in those three roles at the Father's right hand for the benefit of us, the church, Jesus' body. Now, let's look at how he serves us as prophet. He reveals the will of God to us. He himself is the word of God and the sender of the Holy Spirit to reveal God and the will of God by the Holy Spirit. He is given all the scripture through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. He provides the prophetic ministry to the church through the ministries of the word and through the ministries of the Holy Spirit in the interpretation of tongues 
and in prophecies. He is the sender of the Holy Spirit. All of those prophetic things wouldn't happen without Jesus being the prophet for us first. And then we have his priest. Jesus ascended into heaven and to the heavenly altar to offer his blood for our atonement. Through him, our sacrifices of worship, as in our praise, our prayer, our giving, the way we live, everything we do in worship, they are offered to the Father. And Jesus, as our priest, makes everlasting intercession for us. He is there to make our worship count. And then as king, Christ is presently sitting at the right hand of power and is ruling in his kingdom. In his rulership over the world, Christ is creator and sustainer of all creatures. He's directing them in order that all things will glorify him. Jesus is ruling over the angels and directing them to us in order to protect us as believers. Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father doing all of these things all for us. Not only did Christ come to earth as human, live the human condition, do amazing, amazing, miraculous ministry on this earth for the benefit and growth of his kingdom. And then he died. He was crucified for us, buried for us. And then raised from the dead for us. And then he ascended. And is at the right hand. Working as our intercessor. Sending the Holy Spirit. Sending revelation to us through the Holy Spirit. He is prophet. He is priest. He is king. He is our teacher. He is our rabbi. He is our Christ. There's a lot to the nature of Christ. There's a lot to the character of the redemption that Christ purchased for us. And there's a lot to the nature of Christ's present ministry. But all of those things boil down to the one simple fact. Jesus Christ is working for us. Through us. With us. Jesus is here for us. And Jesus fulfilled that testimony that Adam started. Adam started it by plummeting us into sinful nature. And then Jesus came to catapult us out of that sinful nature. And because of Jesus, we no longer have to live in sin. We can have dominion over our sinful nature. Not through burnt offerings, not through money, not through killing of animals, not through sacrifices, but through prayer and faith. And knowing who Jesus is. And having a right relationship with Jesus. And just believing in him. And having that deep roots. Having that deep relationship. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that is Declaration 3. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on week 3 of our podcast. All about our 14 declarations of faith. It's been so great to talk about Declaration 3, which is just the personhood and the nature of Christ and a big theological statement about what Christ did for us. And I'm super excited for next week for Declaration 4, which is we believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that repentance 
is commanded for God for all and necessary for forgiveness of sins. I'm super excited to break down what that means and the ramifications that has on our walk with God and Christianity and what we need to do in our walk with God. Stay tuned for next week, and I can't wait to talk about that with you. Have an awesome week and a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week.